Coming up today on the show, we'll take a look at the Seahawks' week one matchup at home against the L.A. Rams. Through the eyes of someone who covers the Rams as a content creator, Jake Ellenbogen will be joining us with some insight and some things that I think may surprise and concern you as we look ahead. Seahawks Forever is up next. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome back to the show once again as we get ready for week one, Seahawks and Rams. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel and the audio podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me today from the other side of the field, Jake Ellenbogen, Rams content creator and uh, an expert on all things Rams, is going to give us a, a, his thoughts on the team in general and on this matchup Sunday. Jake, thanks for taking the time and uh, joining the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm excited to talk about the Rams, the the Seahawks. I mean, it's always always fun when these two go at it. I mean, it's been... I mean, it's funny because, you know, the 49ers have gotten good again, right? But yeah. this is like my childhood rivalry because the Niners sure. were very good when I was a kid. So, um, no, I know a lot about these two teams, the rivalry there. And, you know, I was just talking with Torrey Holt and he said, this is one of those games that you just circle on your calendar. You know, Rams, Seahawks every year, you know, he was in the league. This is one of those ones. So uh, should be should be a fun one this week. And let's start there with kind of the big picture view. It's it's amazing how quickly things can change in this league. Uh, less than two calendar years ago, the Seahawks were being led by Russell Wilson at quarterback, and the Rams were stampeding their way to a Super Bowl victory and validating their approach to roster building and, and salary cap management and all of that. And and now here we are, and and the table's have turned and the Seahawks are being talked about as a potential contender and, and the Rams are in, in a rebuild. Where do you stand on, on, on your thoughts on where this roster is as a whole before we get into some of the specifics of it? Um, well, I think first off, kudos to the Seahawks um, because I think, you know, getting rid of Russell Wilson wasn't just, Hey, the highest bidder came in and they offered us something that we couldn't refuse. Um, they definitely had a plan in mind. They saw Gino when he came in that year when Russell Wilson went down and uh, they were like, all right, we have something here and we're going to be able to kind of shock the rest of the league when we unleash it. But in order for us to unleash it, we're going to have to trade Russell Wilson, the big name, the guy that we're going to get a lot of hate for it. Right. But this is, yeah. we, we know what we're doing. Like we're the smart ones here. Um, you know, it's almost like being, you know, it's almost like insider trading, right? Like you, you know, way more than everyone else. And you're just like, I'm just yeah. going to do it. And, you know, I, I credit them with that because it's not always easy. And, you know, I think especially with football, you know, we've seen uh, and now player movement more than ever, you know, with Tom Brady leaving new England and, you know, Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay, I guess now it doesn't mean as much, but um, we've always seen those quarterbacks that like to stay at the same location. And Russ is somebody I definitely thought would be that guy. But I think over the years, I mean, if you look, he's gotten hit at an alarming rate, um, you know, and you could say, okay, Seattle has something to do with that to a degree. But at the same time, it's like you're realizing, okay, I'm not going to play favorites here. Gino is in his thirties. It took him a while to get where he is, but we trust him. So let's go and get three first round picks for Russ. Uh, let's go out and get Noah Fant Cause why not? Right? Like a good right. tight end there. Um, you know? And so I really like that. They did that. I really like that they're, they've kind of adopted like, okay, we keep losing to the Rams. 
let's go. Let's adopt their mentality. Let's go out and get a Waldron. You know, <laughs> let's right. go out and get uh, Andy Dickerson and, you know, get some guys from the Rams coaching staff and see what we can do there. We have one of the best coaches in all football and Pete Carroll, you know. Um, so obviously, you know, I like the way they did that. I like how they went out and got DK Metcalf. I mean, I don't know how he fell as far as he did in the draft, but they went out and got DK Metcalf in the draft. And they was really all about been the short shuttle, man. Ran that yeah. bad three cone. It's such a joke. It really is. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, I've been a fan of their draft on the offensive line. You know, uh, you have to go from the inside out and they have gone from the outside in a little bit, getting a guy like Metcalf, but are you just not going to draft him? You know? Right. And so when you're able to go, you know, come away with Charles cross, who was a little bit of a project, but not as much of a project as everyone else was saying. So I like that he got the opportunity to start his rookie year, um, you know, first round. And then Abraham Lucas, the the first two, I believe tackles to start um, a playoff game together. So, you know, that tackle uh, combination helped, um, you know, you have a veteran presence in, in Phil Haynes, um, who is in there as well as Damian Lewis, who I actually interviewed at his senior bowl, uh, back in the day. Uh, but no, I, I like what the look of this looks like. And then I like going out and getting guys like Anthony Bradford and Olua Timmy to kind of shore up, you know, long-term as well, but shore up that depth. So then, you know, you look at the offense, talk about Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker going out and getting Zach Charbonnet. And you start to see like this team, JSN included, like this team has an offense now has a scheme yeah. as well and they could be a problem, but then you can't discount what they've done on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and you know, they've now been able to do all this cause they have clarity of where they're going. And, you know, I think you, you look at going out and getting Devin Witherspoon, with that pick, taking advantage of how bad the Broncos were. So not only do you get Russell Wilson, but then you're bad with him and you have to go and watch that pick go to the Seahawks. I can tell you right now, Devin Witherspoon is the best cornerback from this draft. He always was. It wasn't a shock that he went that high. The guy plays with this demeanor and this feistiness that you just didn't see with the other corners. Um, and then Tariq Woolen is a surprise. I saw him going in second round, you know, in, in those mock drafts and he fell to the fifth. It was yeah. one of those George Kittle moments where you're like scratching your head. How did he fall this far? Um, you know, then you have guys like pro bowlers, Quandre Diggs, um, Ryan Neal was outstanding last year. And, mm -hmm. you know, of course you lose him in free agency um, because that's just the way the league is, you know, you can't keep everybody, but then you go out and get Julian love from the giants who I think is really underrated, does not get talked about enough. And uh, Jamal Adams won't be ready for this week. And that's fine. Cause I think when you get him his skill set is going to, you know, really coincide with obviously Diggs. He's had success with him, but also with Julian Love, who's honestly one of the best tackling DBs in the league. And I think that's really important there um, with some range. Then you look at, you know, Michael Jackson and, and the playing time he got last year and the way he played. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant is an interesting talent there. Um, you know, so I like what they're they're doing. And then their linebackers, I mean, you look at Jordan Brooks, he had like what 160 tackles last year. Yeah. I understand he dealt with some injuries early on in, in his career, but he is a stellar player. And I think he's really showing you, uh, showing you that. And uh, it's a good thing because his mom came at me for having him to rank too low. So, you know, <laughs> he's really, he's really showing out for being that first round pick in 2020. Um, I really like boy Mafe as well as Daryl Taylor. 
And, you know, I like that they went out. They got Devin Bush. They have Bobby Wagner again. I don't love that as a, a Rams guy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Bobby Wagner, he's still the guy. I think yeah. last year I saw more than ever, there were there was constant you know, discourse about, is he washed? Is he too old? Mm -hmm. And I could tell you just from watching all 17 games of Wagner, first off, he played all 17 in a season, which pretty much figured out they weren't going to be very good by week 10, week 11. Right. So the fact that he's still going out there and playing and not knowing if he's going to be on this team next year says all you need to know about Wagner. You're probably not surprised. He played in Seattle forever. But what I was so impressed with was, all this talk about him being washed. And I thought he was one of the top three best linebackers in the league last year. Mm. Um, and I'm not, you know, overreacting cause he wore the horns. Cause I tell you straight up if, if he wasn't, but no, his ability to just make plays on the football, um, the Seattle game, he has two sacks against Seattle. You know, That's he it. was great. Yeah. <laughs> he was great blitzing. He's still that guy that he had a nose for the football, still finding his way, his hands on the football, um, he can still cover, you know, and he's, he's not okay. Like four, four speed, like when he came out sure. of college, um, but he doesn't have to be because he's still really, really athletic. Um, and again, the, the whole thing is overblown with him. And then lastly, I want to say, I've been seeing this guy's praises for a while. And I said, the chargers didn't know how to utilize him correctly. Yuchen Nwosu, I knew as soon as he signed with the Seahawks, I'm like, they'll figure out how to use him because the yeah. Chargers couldn't figure it out. He wasn't a bust. The Chargers actually failed to use him. And it was cool to actually see what I've been saying all along kind of come to fruition because he had almost 10 sacks last year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying he is Micah Parsons because he's not, but that's how he should have been utilized is kind of the same way like Parsons. You know, he can he can play that off-ball linebacker, but he can also rush the passer and that's something the Chargers were kind of like they pigeonholed him at off ball and they never they literally never let him rush the passer. And so um, this Seahawks team looks really good. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, I see it kind of being a little bit of a, a different type of season because I think Gino will have a little bit of a setback from last year. But it's a good roster. Good roster. It's interesting your points about Bobby Wagner, because I think ironically how the Rams used him last year sort of set the wheels in motion to have him come back to Seattle that and he admits too that there was a health thing that his last season here in Seattle he wasn't 100% healthy yeah. now he is in fact this is the first year i think in 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 several years that he hasn't had to go back uh to the UK to get one of those injections that he'd been getting in his his knees for years but the, the Rams used him more on the line of scrimmage had him rushing the the quarterback more had him playing you know kind of more up close to the ball where he can do what he does best, fill gaps, play the run. And it sounds now like, of course, we didn't see him in the preseason take any snaps, but it sounds now like that's how the Seahawks are, are going to utilize him moving forward. So it's interesting to see that the Rams kind of kind of gave them the pathway to getting the most out of Wagner for the rest of his career. Uh, let's start on offense as we look at the Rams roster now, and we can't start any other place than at wide receiver with Cooper Cup, a guy that certainly we know here in the Northwest. He played his college football at Eastern Washington, had one of the greatest college football games I've ever seen by a wide receiver against my alma mater, Washington State, in a huge upset then back in back in the early Mike Leach era. Uh, he had a setback with the hamstring last week. He's been sent to see a specialist, a body specialist, first time I've heard that term, back in Minneapolis 
What's the latest that you're hearing? Is there any way that he that he plays on Sunday against the Seahawks? And what's his long term prognosis? Well, so Dan, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you right now, there's no chance he plays on Sunday. Um, I know that they don't know and all that, but I'm just telling you, he's he's not playing on Sunday. There's no point of putting him out there. I think, and I've been one of the only ones in the space advocating for him to be kept out the whole month. Um, I think when you look at the history of hamstring issues, first off, their starting corner this year, Akella Witherspoon, was a stud. Okay, he was a stud the last two seasons in Pittsburgh. This past year, yeah, this past year, he hurt his hamstring and was done for the year. So it's just a reminder, like those first four games were awful. It's because he's playing with a hammy and then they shut him down the whole season. It's just a reminder. This is also why the Seahawks are being so careful with Devin Witherspoon. Same thing. Which is exactly. And you have to because it's not an ACL tear. It doesn't get the, oh my God, the ooh, the ah, the, the super headline, but it can be just as dangerous as one in terms of missing the entire season if you're not careful. And so it's like, I want to feel fortunate if I'm a Rams fan that, you know, you're relatively unscathed going into the season, Stafford's healthy, all that. But this Cooper Cup thing could be significant. And that's why I say I'm not concerned as long as they don't rush him back. Like, I think this will be okay. Um, the thing, the reason why they're saying to a specialist, and I think a lot of people just kind of assume like, oh, it's just like they're getting a second opinion on the hamstring. It's not that. They want to see if there's a back issue or something that lingered to add to this hamstring that it's, it's not something more because Cooper cup is not getting any younger. He was older when they drafted him. So, you know, this guy's now 31 years old and it's like, we want to just make sure he's okay. Um, So here's the thing. Rams got a good running uh, wide receiver room and I'm not entirely worried about Cooper cup. A lot of people would say that's insane and that they don't have a chance against Seattle week one without Cooper Cup. But I mean, we saw last year uh, this team hung in there with Baker Mayfield. This team hung in there with John Wolford. Um, Rivals are going to rival, right? Like that's just the way it is. And, you know, we know Stafford is is a different animal. You know, Stafford can work with guys that aren't Cooper Cup. Um, I think, unfortunately, he gets penalized in the... I I guess kind of the community of thought because everyone saw the Calvin Johnson record-breaking season and the Cooper cup record-breaking season. So they're like, Oh, well he only throws to those guys. And it's like, he had the best report. I'll say this right now. He had a better report Cooper cup than he had with Calvin because Cooper cup is running, you know, those short and intermediate routes, timing routes. Calvin, he's just like, you go up there and get it, my guy, you know? So what I'll say is this because of those instances, People have forgotten that, you know, Matthew Stafford's the guy late in the game against the Titans on all 22. You can see him throwing a seam buster over the middle late in the game to a third string tight end who barely made the roster and Hunter Bryant. That's who Matthew Stafford is. If you wear the Lions helmet, I'm throwing you. If you're wearing those Rams horns, I'm throwing you. If you're on the field, I'm throwing to you. And so I think too much, too often, we see Aaron Rodgers and like in the postseason how he doesn't trust this guy, so he's not going to throw to him. And like Tom Brady was the same. He has to trust you or he's not going to throw to you. Stafford is, you know, Mr. Magic Johnson, essentially. He's throwing to everybody, right? He's trying to get everybody involved. And I think maybe he's gone away from that a little bit with Cup, but it's almost a blessing in disguise because if he is out, 
um, then he can also, you know, really build that communication with these young guys. Cause you got van playing in a contract year who he needs to go off. It's really up to him at this point. Uh, he has to carry the load, but then you have two, two out. Well, the last time he was on the field with Stafford, he caught a bomb of a touchdown to kind of change the momentum of the saints game right before Stafford got hurt and was ruled out for the rest of the season. Um, you look at Puka Nakua. I'm sure you've heard his name. Everyone's talking about Puka Nakua, the fifth round wide receiver, you know, fantasy wise. Um, But I mean, there are guys like Demarcus Robinson who has more experience on the outside as a receiver than anybody on the roster that no one's talking about played in the postseason, caught a touchdown last year in the postseason. They have Ben Skoranek who's had some serious postseason run. Um, You know, I'm not too concerned about the receiver room, but I think when you look at Cooper cup, I think they need to be careful with this. I don't think it's as simple as he'll be back week two. If they hold it, I don't think so. Like, I think they need to go week by week and make sure he is okay before they trot him back out there. Because a lot of this, you could argue, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but you could argue like, why is he out there in Broncos joint practices? Like, did he really Hmm. have to be out there? Because this is a setback, Dan. Yeah. This is a setback from a previous injury that they were really doing a nice job of limiting him. And then I think they brought him back too early and I think he tweaked it again. Got the def- uh, the offensive depth chart up on the screen and we're going to talk about defense in a minute and, and recognizable names or or lack thereof. But on offense, even without Cooper, there's still a lot of names that, that Seahawks fans are going to recognize. And, and you talked about the, the quality of that wide receiver room and Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell. Uh, we've even seen you know, Ben Skoranek, the the star of the preseason uh, a couple of times, Mr. Mr. August. Um, and then you still have Tyler Higby at tight end. Uh, let's talk about the running game. Cam Akers is, is kind of, kind of an enigma. Which Cam Akers are you expecting to get now two years fully removed from that, from that injury? And they say that sometimes it takes two years to come back from that. The guy that was in the doghouse and that was on the trade block early last year, the guy that really finished strong and looked like um, the player that that finished so well as a rookie and can really be a focal point of this offense. Which Cam Akers are you expecting to see? So, Dan, I was the controversial Ram figure last year uh, saying that Daryl Henderson was the better running back and that he should have been getting the carries. Um, And then... I mean, I won't say I was wrong because I think at the time he was and he offers more in pass pro, but Cam, the last six games of the season, if you extrapolate that over a 27, and obviously it's ridiculous to say this, but at the same time, if you take that extrapolate over a 17 game season, you're looking at a top three running back in the league. And again, he's going against these weaker defenses. That's fair. You can say that, but it's just different when you were watching him, he's hitting holes. He's seeing things he's reacting quicker than he ever had, you know, throughout the season. And I think he was in a zone, but I think it was partially because I think he finally found himself. He was finally comfortable again. And I think it, all it took was really, um, you know, to be honest with you, the sad truth is that this guy's not going to work in a committee. So it's why like when people were saying, Oh, the Rams should consider getting Dalvin cook or they should get a Zeke Elliott or a Leonard Fournette or bring back Daryl Henderson. I'm like, no, because Cam only works as the number one guy. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's fair not to be like that team guy. And I'm not saying he can't be, but I'm just saying from what I've seen is as soon as Henderson was out, Cam was in and he was the bell cow. 
right? Like he took over and he was getting 18 to 22 carries, which is something that we hadn't seen all season from, you know, Daryl Henderson or anybody. Um, I would say to keep an eye on Kyron Williams. He's been getting a lot of run with the ones, um, the wheel route down the sideline. He's connected multiple times with Stafford. I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, 11 on 11s or seven on sevens. I'm talking about in those joint practices, uh, the Raiders and the Broncos led up that same touchdown. They've been building a nice rapport and Kyron. A lot of people forget was supposed to be the starter out of the gate because Henderson was hurt all of training camp. And so was Cam Akers. So when they had the joint practice with the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, they essentially, when they went there, they didn't have Cam. They didn't have uh, Daryl Henderson. So Kyron Williams, the rookie fifth rounder who they traded up to get uh, ahead of the Raiders, Kyron Williams is taking all the reps and he's looking good. And so unfortunately they are a little short-sighted here. Week one, they have him on the kicking team, okay? The, the the coverage team. He gets his ankle rolled over by some dude just diving into him. So hmm. that changed all their plans. Daryl Henderson had to be the guy until Akers was ready. Then Akers took over, and then the whole thing with the doghouse. And I mean, I still don't know the whole story on that. Very odd, but... I do trust Cam Akers uh, moving forward. I think he's gotten over it. I think a big issue with football players is a lot of this is mental. And it's easy for us to look at a sheet of paper and say, you had 1,200 yards last year. Why can't you do it this year? Not yeah. saying Akers has. But, you know, it's easy for us to say that. And I think there's there's more that goes into it mentally. I think that, you know, there's something where Akers had to really get over that. I think we were so marveled by the fact he came back in six, seven months from a torn Achilles. I, we've never seen that before. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, we have to understand that he's not going to be amazing as soon as he comes back. He's not going to be himself as soon as he comes back. And so this guy's never had a thousand yard season. I think he gets it this year. And I think Kyron Williams has one of those. I mean, Sean McVay was in Washington. You remember Chris Thompson? I think yeah. He's going to be kind of similar to Chris Thompson if Thompson was more of a pass protector as well. So Kyron will be there on third downs, I think. Um, but I mean, I'm told that he's going to get a pretty big run with this offense and it's not just going to be acres hogging all the carries. So I don't know what that means, but I yeah. think acres does go over a thousand this year. And certainly given the, the struggles the Seahawks had defending the run last year, I'm sure McVay will be testing that early yeah. and often. And, and really, you know, they kept some continuity in the offensive line, those two solid tackles. They gave a big contract to Joe Noteboom and Havenstein's back at right tackle. You've got experience at center, although I think it's, uh, it's if you're looking at the depth chart, it's a little bit of, uh, is that cheating playing two centers at the same time? That'll be an interesting Interesting lineup. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> Brian Allen, guy with a lot of experience. You got the rookie Steve Avila, who a lot of Seahawks fans liked out of TCU. Big mauler there at left guard. Uh, but let's talk about the quarterback before we switch over to defense. There have been questions. There was, and I think probably he's at that point of his career where every offseason now he'll evaluate whether or not he's even going to play. But there, there were still questions about how healthy he is and if that elbow is going to hold up. What's your take? on Stafford's health right now. So Stafford is the healthiest he's been in, I think I was told five years, six mm -hmm. years. Um, that That's what I was told is that he has not felt this good a long time. Even during the NFL, even during the Super Bowl season, 
like it was fun, but it wasn't fun because he was really hurt. And I think a lot of people forget he ended that Lions career really banged up. Like, but it was one of those things where uh, it's football player hurt. You know, I could just, I could go out there. Yeah. I could tough it out. He's been doing it his whole life, essentially. Um, well, I think it finally started to catch up to him. And I think winning the Super Bowl and having like the shortened type of off season. Um, I mean, it, it hurt the Rams in multiple ways. I can tell you that they hired a guy after 15 minutes of interviewing him and he ended up not doing very well. Uh, I won't say the coach cause I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I mean, that's where they were at, you know? Yeah. But I think, um, Stafford, you know, you go out, you get Allen Robinson to kind of diversify that receiver room and things are looking good. And then you deal with the elbow and it's like, now you're not in training camp. Now you're not building rapport with any of these receivers that's not what has happened this year. Um, he has gotten on the same page with Puka. He's gotten on the same page with Van. Van had a really good camp. Tutu Atwell had a huge camp. Um, and I know people, everyone has a good camp, it seems like. But this is the best Stafford has looked in a long time, is what I was told. Um, and the the really big factor here is when they marched into, and I don't think Denver or Vegas are going to be good teams, to be fair. But when he marched into those practices, those joint practices, he was unstoppable. Um, you're talking about he just had cocky arm at, at that point. Like it, it, he's just he's feeling it. He's shooting the three ball when he's got three defenders in his face. and He's still hitting it, you know, and it's it's one of those things where it, it didn't matter. You know, two guys on two, two, he's fitting in between them. You know, he's just feeling himself. And I think. Uh, you know, a lot of people forget how young he was coming out of the draft uh, in tw uh, 2009, uh, the year before Sam Bradford. But I think so often he gets clumped in like the Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, like tier, like he's older than he is. He's only 35. And now we know that quarterbacks can play until they're 45 or 46 now. So yeah. um, I think Stafford goes, if he stays healthy, he goes until 40. Um, I think that was his initial plan, but it is funny because you have all this dribble that's out there. Like, Oh, the Rams tried to trade Stafford can confirm. That's absolutely false. Uh, Michael okay. Lombardi is making things up again, but, um, <laughs> but no, I think, um, I think Stafford's in for a really eye opening season, kind of putting him back on the radar. Like you guys sold, you, you guys sold me away like that. Okay. Yeah. Like he, he's going to be back. And uh, I think he's going to lead this offense. If, if they're not top five, they'll definitely be at least top 10. I really believe that. Wow. Well, there's no denying the arm talent there if he is healthy. Um, and there's certainly no denying as we look on the other side uh, in the talent of Aaron Donald. And uh, yeah. for whatever reason, this isn't sharing the right screen here. Um, I'll work on that while we talk about it, though. It, I was on a uh, podcast that originates uh, earlier today with uh, from the UK or from Ireland actually and uh, one of them described the Rams defense as Aaron Donald and 10 dudes uh, and I have to say as I look at the depth chart I am a draft nerd and I dig into the draft hard on the show and just in my personal life and I do hundreds of mocks there are some names on this this depth chart that I honestly don't recognize um, <laughs> when you look at this list what are your thoughts, especially in the front seven? There's some guys in the in the secondary. Certainly, we we recognize Akilah Witherspoon and Johnson at safety. 
But your thoughts, I, I saw a stat, a stat this morning, correct me if I'm wrong, eight of these projected starters were sixth round picks or later or undrafted free agents. Was this part of the plan to rebuild it this way or is this uh, reactionary to some of the losses they've had? It's Well, it's really interesting because they tried to acquire Brian Burns last year at the deadline. Um, I think if they acquire him or if they get, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, actually they tried to get him both. So it definitely, if they got him both, they would have extended this, even if they didn't have a winning season last year. Um, I think if they got Brian Burns, things would be a little bit different. I don't know if they get rid of Ramsey, um, because they're paying over $70 million to guys on that aren't on the roster. Uh, it's to get rid of the credit card debt now, instead of just letting it compile. Um, so, you know, I do think that had a lot to do with it. Um, but I also think that they found a breakthrough in their defense and that they feel as though they can run a defense with Aaron Donald. Um, and you know, they really like the growth of like guys like Kobe Turner or, or sorry, Kobe Durant, um, who led the league in interception return yardage and played way beyond his years at the end of the season. Um, they like Darren Kendrick more than I do personally, but they're very high on him. Um, a guy that they think they stole in the sixth round last year. So these guys got a chance to play Russ East, a seventh rounder got a chance to play. They really like him. Quentin Lake, who's set to be either their third safety, fourth safety or their dime backer. Um, you know, they really, he had a fantastic camp. Like mm. I had Andrew Siciliano on and he's like, that guy is the guy to look out for. He had the best camp of anybody. Um, so there are some no name guys, so to speak, yeah. that could become something big, like a Ryan Neal, for instance, I look at Ryan Neal as a perfect example of what, you know, kind of the league is, uh, Cameron curls, another guy, you know, I don't know why I listed two safeties, but, um, the point I'm making here is Cameron Crow was a seventh rounder out of, you know, Arkansas. Okay. And, yeah. uh, the only people that knew him were people that were into the draft. Um, and he's carved out a role on that commander's defense and like a significant role, like where this guy could be a pro bowler. He's one of the best tackling safeties, run supportive safeties in football. And you look at Ryan Neal, I put Ryan Neal in my top 10 safeties, uh, you know, following that season. I'm, I'm a big fan of him. And he kind of came out of nowhere, right? I mean, linebacker safety kind of hybrid type of guy uh, can really do it all. And he's such a mismatch because it doesn't matter if you have a Kyle Pitts, I can throw Ryan Neal on your Kyle Pitts and there you go. Good luck. Yeah. And so I think there are more guys than we realize that are like that. And the thing is about this Rams defense that I think they have a lot of guys like that because I think Ernest Jones, he had the the benefit of learning hands-on soaking all the knowledge from Bobby Wagner last year. So people can say what they will about that being a wasted season, but Bobby Wagner, like if Ernest Jones goes off, I think Bobby Wagner kind of extended how good this guy can be. Hmm. Um, so I think he has that also for his legacy as a Ram, but um, you know, I think you have Ernest Jones who I would put as one of the top players on this team. You have Aaron Donald, Bobby Brown played a lot of time at the end of last year. The thing a lot of people don't know is he was suspended early on the season. So he came back late and looked really good at the end of the season. Uh, they found that they were playing Michael Hoyt, a UDFA from 2020, completely out of position. They moved him to edge. And I mean, I can't really blame the guys 310 pounds. They moved him to edge and he had success. You know, he yeah. was, you know, stopping the run. He was rushing the passer. 
They go out and get Byron Young in this draft, who, mm-hmm. I mean, he is an athlete. He is a very explosive rusher. Um, he's going to have to develop more of a toolbox. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of bend. He's more of an old school, like doesn't have a lot of bend, just going to win the hand fighting war or whatever. But uh, I like him a lot. But then they go out and they got a bargain bin, in my opinion, in Akella Witherspoon, who I've already mentioned the two really good seasons. Yeah. You know, then he has the hamstring. He was the starter the moment he entered camp. They feel very good about him. Okay. So, so he's the starter. They get Trey Tomlinson, the sixth round um Ladanian's nephew and he was magnificent in preseason so he seems to be way ahead of schedule um they got John Johnson I don't think they need him like Jordan Fuller's there as well and John Johnson I think offers that veteran leadership but I also think he's still a really good player that just wasn't a fit in Cleveland so I think a lot of Cleveland fans call him trash and whatnot and so, you know, how it goes, if you ask him, oh, how was John Johnson Cleveland? I didn't get you. Oh, he was terrible. So now everyone thinks he's terrible, you know? Right. But I think, uh, yeah, sometimes he, just guys just aren't a fit. Yeah. And I think he fits the Rams. He never wanted to leave. I remember that, uh, the Rams just didn't, you know, they didn't want to deal with it because they don't pay safeties. So he's in, and then you have guys like Lorel Murchison, who they took off, uh, you know, the waivers last year, the Titans get rid of him the day after he's playing and the day after that, like he has like two sacks in the game. So they saw his ability down the stretch. And I think those are the, the little things that you like to see, you know, in kind of a lost season, you know, these guys are playing to kind of, you know, play for their jobs next year. And I think a lot of those guys made the most of it. And so you're looking at a defense that, yeah, okay. Some of these names don't really stand out that Zach Van Valkenburg. I don't blame you. Uh, for not knowing him. He's just somebody that came on really strong in the preseason. And he's an example of doesn't matter if you're playing the fourth quarter or the first, when you're out there, we expect your best. And if your, your best is required and you put that out there, you have a chance to make the team. And that's what happened with him. He was playing towards the end of those games as you know, third string yeah. and they loved what they got out of him. Um, so we'll see with him, Rose boom and Jake Hummel, they're going to be predominantly in that three, three, five. So we're not going to see a ton of those guys, but they can play Rose booms, a guy that they've been developing since 2020 Hummel was, uh, one of the UDFAs that made the team last year, but the interesting one on this defense, uh, to me is Kobe Turner. Um, because Kobe Turner was not somebody I was high on coming out of the draft. Um, he was never technically a starter. Okay. In college. And for whatever reason, Les Snead could not talk enough about this guy. Hmm. And every time he talks about the draft or talks about the team in general, Kobe Turner comes up. So they see something in him that I don't know if anybody else sees. Um, I don't know if he's going to start, but you know, I don't want to go against what they're seeing because I mean, they did go out and get Donald. They do have Bobby Brown, who I like Ernest Brown, the fourth, you know, Uh, I didn't, I didn't think his time with the Rams. I thought it was up. They put him on the practice squad. He's back. Um, And he looks really good. You know, fifth rounder from 2021. I just think when you, you look at this, this defense, it's not for, the casual fan, I could tell you that, but even some people that really study the game don't know it. 
But I think this is the defense that has a few of those Ryan Neal's, a few of those Cam Curls uh, that are going to just jump out. Um, a good example, Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett on the Broncos was kind of a no name. I was always a fan of his uh, out of USF, but um, you know, Barrett was kind of a no name. And, you know, I think, you know, be, being behind Von Miller will do that to you being behind, uh, you know, DeMarcus Ware will do that to you. But I knew as soon as he signed somewhere and he got a chance to be the guy he would take off. And he did with Tampa. Um, I think they have a few of those guys on this roster. I, I really do. And I think, you couple that with the guys that I really feel confident in, like an Akello, uh, obviously Donald. I, I feel good about Bobby Brown. I feel good about the rookie Byron Young. Like, I don't think he's going to be amazing, but I think he's going to have a good year that kind of sets the tone. I think I just would have preferred them. Oh, and I also love the pickup of Duke Shelley, very underrated corner. But I, if I could have had anything on the defense, I would have addressed edge a little bit more. I don't trust Hoyt. Um, and it's actually fun fact, the least experienced room in all of football, the Rams edge defender room is the least experienced room in all of football. Only Michael Hoyt has any playing time in wow. that room. So not ideal. Yeah. I would have liked to see them go out and get, uh, Travis Gibson. Um, I know Malik Reed is out there. He's a scheme fit. And uh, I would have liked to see them just, you know, try and get somebody because I understand, like, like you said early on, this is a rebuilding team, no matter what they want to call it, they're calling it a remodel. It's a rebuild. They just don't want to admit it. They're trying to rebuild and win though, which I give them credit for. They're not tanking like everybody seems to think, um, but it would help my case a little bit more when I'm defending them against tanking if they went out and got another edge guy, cause this is looking a lot funny enough. Like when they went to the super bowl, the first time they had to go mid season and trade for Dante Fowler jr. Yeah. This was their edge room. You ready for this? They had Justin Lawler, Trayvon young, Sam Sibukam and Matt Longacre. And that team went to the super bowl. Yeah. So I don't know if they get a, make a deadline move. I'd hope for a chase young, uh, who's on an expiring contract and then sign him after the season. But I think that's the one need. I know I sound crazy when I say it because people are looking at this defense like they need everything. The one need is a pass rusher. Yeah, they, maybe they revisit Brian Burns. He he did report to practice today. Uh, it sounds like he might play week one, but you know that contract hasn't been settled. It'll be interesting to see. Also, it'll be cool. I'll be keeping an eye on Young. He was a guy that throughout the draft process was attached to Seattle a lot, was in yeah. for a 30 visit fit a need, uh, was mocked to Seattle a lot. Um, they opted for a similar player, but a younger player in Derek Hall out of Auburn. Um, so it'll be, it'll be kind of cool to see how he does in that defense. As we look ahead to Sunday, if uh, I'll ask you this two ways. Um, first, if the Rams are going to win at Lumen Field in sun, on Sunday, what's it going to have to look like? Well, I think it's going to have to look like it. See, the Rams can win a shootout. I believe that. I think this offense is capable of that with or without cup. Um, I think Stafford, be honest with you, is chomping at the bit for that. Um, but I think turnover here and there wouldn't be bad. And they've turned over Gino before. I think Donald, the pressure, the hope is that Donald is going to generate pressure or he's going to get doubled and triple team. And you're going to have... Uh, Byron Young winning his one-on-ones. They're going to have a Michael Hoyt win his one-on-ones. Um, you know, Bobby Brown, Ernest Brown, 
Jonah Williams, those guys, Kobe Turner, that's the hope. Um, but I think that they're going to have to, you know, cause they run that bend, don't break soft shell. I think they're going to play more aggressive this year. And I think it's going to be because what I said, they don't have the pass rush coming off the edge that you would like. So I think the secondary does a decent job. Um, like who are you going to put on a Metcalf, uh, you know, a locket, a JSN. Cause JSN, I believe is playing now. He is ruled, uh, like active, like he's going to play. Sure sounds uh, like yeah. So, so that's interesting. And that's also, you know, the credit to the Seattle to go out and get a guy like that. It's really hard to match up those three receivers. They all mm-hmm. offer similar things, but different things at the same time and can be somewhat interchangeable as well. Um, my guess here is that if the Rams want to win this game, they're going to have to win in the shootout fashion. I think this defense is going to be better than people think. Um, my bold prediction is that I think they finished top 15 because I trust Raheem Morris that much. But keep in mind, week one is not when this is going to happen. It's going to happen over time. So I think I have a 34-31 affair. Like, I think this is this is over. This is fun. You know, this these are two teams, rivals going at it. This will be one of the best yeah. games of the week. Um, but I think the, the key here for the Rams is that they're going to have to be able to establish the run early on, win with the play action. I know Stafford doesn't love play action. Tough. They're going to have to win with the play action. That That's how they're going to have to do it. Um, you know, Kyron Williams out of the backfield is a pass catcher. I think we'll see a lot of Higby in this game, but I think this is the 2-2 Atwell game. I think Atwell is going to explode in this one. I really believe that. Uh, I think he's been a ticking time bomb for a while. And, I mean, he's, he hears it. You know, I had him on my yeah. show. He he hears all the uh, the negativity. Oh, we should have gotten Creed Humphrey. He, he hears it all the time. Um, but you're, I think you're, you're preaching to the choir because that same draft, we take a small, I know. and you took the guy that I want receiver <laughs> in the same round ahead of Creed Humphrey when center was a glaring need. So we're both on that, uh, on the Creed Humphrey train there. It, it's, it's funny because I wanted Eskridge so bad. And mm. then a lot of the theories went into, and this is before I had, you know, no, we heard it in the, that they wanted Eskridge and they settled for Atwell, right? Yeah. After, yeah. yeah. See, I, I didn't have an, uh, an ear like I do now in the, so I don't know, you know, I don't know how that whole thing went down. Would have been nice to know that. Um, yeah. but yeah, you know, Atwell's just somebody I started to really fall in love with after the process because I only watched three games of each prospect because I watched 300 prospects. Sure. And when they drafted Atwell, I went in and just watched everything. And I'm like, oh, Malik Cunningham held this kid back. <laughs> There's a lot of underthrown balls. He's yeah. having to, he's beats his guy by 20 yards and has to come in 20 yards like he's a center fielder in the outfield. Uh, it was not pretty. So I think now when you, you know, you have a guy like Stafford that can, you know, hit that timing throw, you know, down the sideline or whatever, uh, you know, the bomb. I mean, I think that's where he can win. But what I was so impressed with is everyone, if you have a guy who's five, nine and runs really fast and he wears a Rams helmet, everyone says Tavon Austin. And I love Tavon. Great dude. Tavon was not the player Atwell is. Um, Atwell knows the game more because of his quarterback background, but Atwell is really intelligent, but also he's a really good route runner and he doesn't just kind of milk the fact that he's five, nine, like, like Tavon love him to death is not going up and high pointing a football Atwell is Atwell's trying to moss you. If he has to do it, 
he's going to do it. And so he's a different type of receiver. It's why like I stay away from like the Anthony Schwartz where dude was just a speedster that went to the Browns and I just knew he wasn't going to work out. Um, you know, and like the, the Tavon Austin comparison, I even stay away from Jamison Crowder. Cause I think he can be bit like better than that. I think when I look at him, I see Marquise Brown. So I think, okay. um, he's going to have that, that breakout game. I, I think it'll come in this one. And I think they're going to need acres to run the football, uh, just like he did week 18 last year. Uh, that's, that's how they'll win. Um, the defense, they get a few stops. That'd be great. But I do trust this offense to, I know it sounds crazy because they were abysmal last year, but we already talked about why, you know, the D, the, the right. offense was banged up to all hell. Um, I think it'll be fun though, to see this offensive line. I don't know who's going to start personally. I would start Coleman Shelton at center. I would start Ankrum at right guard. Um, and then the rest is already there, but you know, we'll see. It should be a fun rivalry. Adding Tutu Atwell to my fantasy team as we speak. He's on. I love it. There. I love it. <laughs> FanDuel. So, so FanDuel, I like, you know, the, I, I still do those lineups. I don't know why I never win those, but, uh, the million dollar challenge or whatever, mm-hmm. I put Tutu Atwell in there. $5,000. Five thousand. That's it. Coming. You heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, final question. Realistically, uh, as objectively as you can be, how many wins do you think you see out of this team? Um. Well, so both teams. I have the Rams going ten seven. Seattle going nine and eight. Okay. I think the NFC West will be fun as long as the Cardinals aren't on your TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You talk about a tank. It, it's yeah. it's like shameful. They're choosing to start LJ Collier on defense, uh, former Seahawk first round draft pick. That to be, when it, when I saw that on their depth chart, I circled it, put it on Twitter, and said, "Tank confirmed." Yeah, well, confirmed the tank confirmed that. moment is when you're trading a fifth rounder for Josh Dobbs. Yeah, and releasing Colt McCoy, who's a solid player. Oh, so, yeah, I know that yeah. was that was so dumb. But yeah, they're just and and the funny thing is, I think it's going to backfire because what's going to end up happening is they're going to end up with like Drake May. I don't think Drake May is Caleb Williams. I don't. And I think Caleb Williams is going to stay in school. I don't think he wants to go to Arizona at all because why would you want to go and play yeah. for that coach yeah, right now? He's really made some interesting comments recently. Yeah, because yeah, I think it, to watch. he's taking over because it's the sign of the times with NIL. These guys now yeah. feel invincible. And um, we can say it's it's unfair all we want, but at the end of the day, he's getting paid $7 million dollars I mean, I think I saw something where like that was his first contract, right? So mm-hmm. he could sign another contract and theoretically make more than a rookie quarterback in the NFL. So like, why wouldn't he just do that and just have fun in college and, you know, not go to the Arizona Cardinals and then just wait and go the next year. The only thing is the injuries. Like I, I am a little concerned by that. Um, I do wonder if he stays what that means for Shador Sanders. Cause I think Deion Sanders kid is the guy that's not being talked about enough in this whole quarterback thing. You hear Jordan Travis, you hear sure Drake May. He's playing like he did week one and he just got himself another million plus this week in NIL money off that one performance. So yeah, like, well, yeah. So I, I mean, I, he would definitely go in the draft. I yeah. think he'd go in the draft, but yeah, I think Caleb is like, I'm at USC. I'm in LA. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything. Like I could just sit here and collect millions and, uh, yeah, I think that's because, I mean, a big problem with a lot of these guys, by the way, Sean McVay ruled Cooper, Cooper cup out officially for Sunday. So okay, that's done. Um, breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news right on the show. But 
But yeah, um, you know, I think what it comes down to is when you look at these quarterbacks, you look at any player coming out of college, it's all about fit. You know, you could say what you will. Mm-hmm. All these guys know how to play the game of football, you know, but it's all about fit. I mean, you know, if Caleb Williams goes to an organization that doesn't care, you know, and, and charges their players for their food, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Sure I, did. I, I mean, yep. they had Steve Kime employed for how many years? I mean, they don't really care, right? And so if I'm Caleb Williams, I don't want to go there. I don't think he's playing the whole I want to go to L.A. card. I don't think he's playing the whole I want to go to this team or that team. I think he, like, genuinely just doesn't want to go to Arizona. Right. Would you want to go to a team that's purposely losing to get you? Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll see how that plays out uh, for certain. Jake, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and giving us a, an insider's look at the Rams. Lots Absolutely. to think about. I feel a lot worse about the game Sunday now. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's why we do this, right? Because, you know, we see everything through our viewpoint. And no, absolutely. Go from there. Uh, let everybody know where they can see your stuff if they're interested in uh, following the Rams or any of your draft coverage as we get to that time of the year. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you, uh, Dan, for reaching out. This has been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you know a ton. So it's always cool to, to talk to a like-minded person that really spends a lot of time like watching and, and just soaking up the the knowledge and the content. But um, yeah, if you guys want to follow me at JK Bogan on Twitter, I have all my stuff in my link tree bio. Um, or you can Google me. And I love being able to say that because that is a little bit of a flex and I'm going to take it. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Definitely do that. Jake, we'll have you back on the show again uh, later in the season after we get a clearer picture of what these two teams look like. Um, Until then, this is Seahawks Forever. I am Dan Viennes. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Until next time, forever and always, go Hawks.